Hey there, I'm Mike. Some of you know me from the Twisty Cape. Some of you know me because some balls are held for charity and some for fancy dress, but when they're held for pleasure, they're the balls that I like best. But regardless of how you know me, you know I love comics, and that's what we talk about on this podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mike's Big Stack. Oh, hell yeah, my thickies. Welcome to the show, everyone. Recording, as always, at Thickness Central. And welcome back to another episode of Season 2 of Mike's Thick Stack. Sorry about the delay, but we will be hopping back in this thing uh, daily for a little bit, and then every week like it's supposed to be. Up front, we're looking for some new YouTube and Twitch subscribers, all at the Twisted Cape, no spaces. As always, we start with the city shoutouts, starting with Richardson, Texas. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Council Bluffs, Iowa. Man, we really love the fact that you guys are coming in and checking out the show. Philadelphia, PA. What can I say? Cradle of Liberty, baby. Keep coming out, supporting your boy. San Jose, California. Got to show you some love. Thank you so much for popping in. And internationally, Barcelona, Spain. And that just makes us feel so good. Thanks for listening and coming back, friends. So now we'll pop, lock, and drop it on over to Mike's Thickometer. Oh, yeah, Mike's Thickometer. So thick I call it Thicky Henderson. This week clocks in at a 10 out of 10. Y'all know how thick this episode and how thick it's about to be. So hang in there. We're going to get through this together. This week, the stack has a DC advantage, so let's get to work and start with those Marvel books and get those knocked out of the way, starting with Amazing Spider-Man number 76. I gave this a 4.5 out of 5. So, a quick recap here. Peter's in big trouble, and Ben has to step up big and become full-time Spidey with Pete's blessing. So, Peter is hospitalized while Ben calls Aunt May, who shows up and goes on the warpath for her little boy. Pete, MJ, and Ben have a tense conversation where Pete passes the mantle after Ben comes to him with his hat in hand. As Ben goes to take down the UFOs, Peter slips into a coma. The pros here start with Gleason's art and end with Wells' writing. The creative team here is just on fire, and I think that it's a better issue than the last one far and away. The cons for me start with what feels like Ben's selfishness, especially around Spider-Man, but that's minor because they share that trait of selfishness, followed by guilt and heroism, so it's right in line with the character. It just feels worse than normal here to me. Next up we have Avengers number 49. I gave this a 4 out of 5. This is the penultimate chapter of World War She-Hulk. She-Hulk is going after Namor and Atlantis on orders from the Winter Guard, but it turns out through narration that she's been undercover the entire time. She ends up doing battle with the Widow Hulk, a new Hulk created by the Winter Guard. She calls in the Avengers just before the fight starts. It ends with her going after what looks like a gamma bomb that's about to explode. Pros are all around Jason Aaron's writing, specifically his plotting. This issue is given to you in a way that keeps you guessing. Cons are in the art in this issue, specifically the faces. Sometimes they just don't look right. I understand, but it, it can be jarring at times. Next up, we have Darkhold, Iron Man, number one. I gave this a 375 out of 5. This is a dark horror tale that includes some body horror style stuff. Pepper and Happy discover Tony in an early Iron Man suit and decide to help him out. Pepper, Happy, and Jarvis all help Tony beca- become Iron Man, but it turns when he tries to take his suit off and it starts taking his skin with it. 
He eventually kills Happy and Jarvis and turns them into hybrids like him, and then Pepper at the end. The pros are the horror feel this book has and the fact that there's no happy ending. Alternate universe stuff should get dark at times, and they nail that here, both in the ending and the overall tone. The cons are that it feels a little rushed at times. Horror like this is best with more suspense, and that was missing because it was like a one-shot. Next up, we have Eternals Forever, number one. I gave this a two out of five. The Eternals battle the Deviants in this jumping point. Focusing on Icarus, he's used by the Deviants to find Olympia. The others notice something is off with him, but are pressed for time throughout the issue. The Deviants hate the Eternals, and that's palpable throughout the issue. The Deviants attack Olympia, but are turned back by the Unimind, which helps find the tracker in the head of Icarus. Pros are the strength of using the core Eternals team, especially with the movie out. Making the Eternals accessible is a good move right now. Cons are basically everything else for me. I thought the story was rushed, the art didn't hit for me, and it was a capitalization on the assumed hype of the movie. I would have preferred a reprint or something else entirely instead. Next up, we have Gamma Flight number 5. I gave this a 3.75 out of 5. The finale of this short series with a big battle versus Abomination. Lots happens in this. Samson and Ab Absorbing Man survive the blast from last issue. Dell and Rick get separated finally. Scar fights with the team. Stockpile has a horrible fight against Abomination. Abomination escapes. So much craziness. Pros are the crazy style of art that gets copied in a way from Immortal Hulk. I also like the phrenic nature of this book. Cons are the pacing for the title overall. I wish issues two and three were better paced so we would have experienced a bigger better fight with abomination speaking of immortal hulk we'll hit immortal hulk number 50 i gave this a 4.75 out of 5 this is the end of the al ewing and joe bennett hulk run and their partnership endings are always tough to land but this one does a pretty good job there's a lot going on in hell with hulk joe and jackie mcgee as they move towards the leader they go there, Leader is expelled, and they confront the one below all, who turns out to be the one above all. They leave Hell due to the Forever Gate and help from the Fantastic Four, and Stearns is depowered. The crazy through line for this issue is the family ties between Stearns and Banner, and the violent nature of the family that they're both a part of. Pros are the crazy story and art. It's so wild from start to finish, and the extra pages in the issue are huge. Cons are that it's over. I didn't know I wanted a horror themed Hulk, and it's been awesome. Obviously, with Bennett's issues, th that aspect hasn't been great, um, but it has been a special book, though. Next up, we have Iron Man number 13. I gave this a 2.75 out of 5. Tony and his team square up against Korvac, and there are some possibly problematic outcomes. Iron Man rallies after the events of the last issue and puts his ragtag team back together and goes after Korvac. Korvac is about to ascend, and Tony seemingly beats him. Except he does ascend, and Tony goes with him, causing him to ascend as well. Pros are that from day one, I've loved the art on this book. Kafu is incredible and should stay on this book as long as possible. Cons are how jumbled this story feels. There's a lot going on, and it's hard to track. I like that there's a lot going on, but it feels like a lot over a small period of time. Next up, we have Shang-Chi number 5. I gave this a 3.25 out of 5. It's Shang-Chi versus Iron Man, basically. It starts off seeming like a classic Marvel misunderstanding leading heroes to fight. Iron Man and Shang-Chi fight over a stolen Iron Man suit. 
turns out it's a setup by Cap, Iron Man, Reed, and Spidey, and they're tracking a cosmic cube that the Five Weapons Society is in possession of, which seems like it's being held by his mother. Pros are the art and the frantic pace of the story. I had a really good time reading this, but more experiencing it from a visual perspective. It's such a cool look. Cons are that it feels weird that Shang-Chi's friends just don't pull him into a room with no combat situations and get him to talk about what's going on. It feels counterintuitive for some of these characters to be involved in a subversion plot. Hint, hint, Spider-Man. Next up, we have X-Force number 24. I gave this 3.25 out of 5. A crazy story focusing on Colossus and his family. Peter's brother, Mikhail, is after him and trying to make his life hell. Black Tom is hunting down these nesting doll dudes and beast body still, but it turns on him badly. Mikhail influences the Chronicler, who is writing stories that come to light. He makes Colossus kill Kayla, get rid of the body, and take a bath while Beast hopefully gets rid of the last nesting guy while plucking out his eye. Xavier shows up to Peter's home and at, at the end of the issue, and hopefully he's safe, but who knows. Pros. This has some twists and turns and some heartbreak, and the art in this is spectacular. Cons include tying together the Beast and Colossus stories in the issue because they don't necessarily mesh well together here. Finally, here on the Marvel side, we have X-Men number four. I gave this a 2.75 out of five. Nightmare faces Jean, Ben Ulrich gets closer, and the X-Men are in some real trouble. Nightmare shows up to try to take out the X-Men, but Jean is having none of it. She puts things right just as Ben Ulrich digs up the grave of Nathan Summers in his pursuit of discovering if the mutants can be resurrected. Finally, it looks like Fei Long is preparing his body for Arako, and that could be an issue coming up really soon. Pros are the art in this book. I love its look and unexpected focus on Jean in this issue. Cons are that it doesn't really feel connected to the story overall. Outside of the Ulrich inclusion, the major threat didn't feel like it was important to the development of the team, especially since one me member did anything at all in this entire issue. All right, we'll take a quick break, uh, a little break from us, a little word from us, a little word from some friends, and we'll jump back in with the DC books. Stick around. Hey everyone, Jesse here from the Twisted Cape. If you're a fan of video games like me, and also a fan of the fantastic dude bringing you this podcast, then boy do I have the thing for you. Join Mike on Tuesday nights, and sometimes other nights too when he feels like it, on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash thetwistedcape. He plays through all sorts of superhero-related video games for your entertainment. Be sure to also give us a follow on Twitch, and if you're feeling extra generous, go ahead and drop us a subscribe and join in on the chat. And now, enjoy the rest of the episode. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Hey everybody, Sam here from the Twisted Cape. If you haven't already done so, be sure to check out the Twisted Cape's Tee Public page, which we have live right now for you to purchase any and all of your clothing needs with Twisted Cape logos on them. We got shirts, socks, maybe. Wow. We got other shirts with hoods on them, and they have longer sleeves. So warm. We got everything you could ever want with Twisted Cape logos on them. So, again, please be sure to check out the Twisted Capes T Public page 
Check out the link in the description and be sure to pick up your favorite stuff right now. Thanks, everybody. And now, back to Mike's Thick Stack. Yeah, we're back. Yeah, we're back. That's so stupid. All right, uh, we'll hop into these DC titles really quick, starting with Batman, Urban Legends, number eight. I gave this a 3.25 out of five. There are four stories in this that all wrap into Fear State. In Batwoman, in Batwoman, Alice starts to reemerge in Kate's sister. There's a detective-style Batman story involving Mr. Pig. In Osriel, Batman tries to convince Osriel no more killing. In Outsiders, there's some time-jumping madness. My favorites in order were Outsiders, Pig, Batwoman, and Osriel. Pros are what happens in Outsiders and the usage of Duke and following his timeline. Cons are adding so many stories in a book like this. I'd like to let a few of them breathe a little more. Next up, we have Blue and Gold, number three of eight. I gave this a three of five. Booster runs his mouth, Beetle comes clean, and a problem is likely solved. Amazon shows up and causes some trouble, allowing Booster to jump into action. Beetle shows up and helps, and introduces his Skeets companion, Buggles, and zaps Amazon away. Beetle comes clean about having no money anymore, and Trixie Collins shows up to help solve their problem. The pros in this book is just fun nonsense, which is needed at times. I've had a lot of fun reading books that don't take themselves too seriously, and they never feel like they're really in danger, so you don't have to worry while you read. Cons are that it doesn't feel like a need to buy book. It's, it's nice to have in my list as a palate cleanser, but there's no real substance here. Next we have Challenge of the Super Sons, number seven of seven. I gave this a 3.75 out of five. This Super Sons miniseries ends with the boys facing off against Vandal Savage and Felix Faust. Rora spends most of the issue in danger from Savage and Faust. The boys end up giving the villains all they can handle, but they end up giving up the advantage to protect Rora. Luckily, the League shows up in time to finish the villains off. Pros are that Damien and John are probably my favorite friend pairing in the DCU. They work so well together, and they get such growth together. Cons are that I'm never sure if they're killing the series or bringing it back for more, making it a little too clean. Plus, with John being aged up now, there's only a finite number of stories you can tell with them at this age. Next up, we have Future State, Gotham number 6. I give this a 3.25 out of 5. Red Hood and Batman try infiltration, and all-out war breaks out. In a backup story, Bruce teaches Damien how to be like him, but it's not perfect. Jason and Jace team up in a ruse called Arresting Batman. It quickly spins out of control when Warmonger shows up, causing an entire facility to erupt into a brawl. Jason sends Jace away, but ends up at Warmonger's feet with no help in sight. In the other story, Bruce tries to teach Damien the importance of patience and plotting. Damien is a little eager and messes up Bruce's plan, but Bruce is proud of his headstrong son nonetheless. Pros are that, for some reason, I look forward to the black and white nature of this book, especially with the work from Jorge Jimenez. Colors are great and necessary, but it's nice to see the pencils shine. Khan's focusing on Jason making dumb decisions. I know he's juggling a lot, but you need to be alive to make those things work. The next book we have on the docket is Hardware Season 1, Number 2. I gave this a 4 out of 5. Curtis is on the run, but stops to do the right thing, even though it might haunt him later. 
So Curtis spends the majority of this issue in cloak and dagger mode, trying not to get caught as he's being hunted. He even tells Static that he won't be around to help him, closing a loop from the Static book. There's an accident and he goes to save a kid who is unresponsive. Afterwards, he is on the way to intercept a plane, which he does, but he has no power left in his suit. He gets left in a precarious position. The pros for me are Dennis Cowan's art. I love the way that he draws and that's on full display here. I also like the pacing of the story. A lot happens, but it flows well. Cons are that I want to like Curtis more, but it can be a little difficult. I agree with him, but I don't always like him. The next book we have is I Am Batman number two. I give this a 3.25 out of five. Jace goes out on the streets and really embraces his Batman persona. So Jace puts in the work to help stop Seer as the Arcadine saga basically plays out in the background. Montoya confronts Mrs. Fox about the morality of the Magistrate and helping them achieve their goals. The issue ends with Seer mobilizing people against Batman. Pros are that I like how Jace is coming into his own and the overall art style, specifically the armored nature of his suit. Cons are that this doesn't really feel like a part of Fear State, even though it's supposed to be a part of Fear State. Next up, we have the Joker number eight. I give this a 3.5 out of five. Gordon gets taken, we get some backstory, and Punchline makes her move in prison. In a standoff, Gordon gets taken by Vengeance, basically a female clone of Bane, and we get her full backstory. She explains why she hates Joker, where he is, and how she's going to kill him. In Punchline, Harper works on saving Kelly, teams up with Orca, and then Punchline takes over the prison. It ends poorly for Orca, who gets stabbed in a brutal fashion. Pros start with the fact that the Punchline story is finally getting interesting. The new character of Vengeance is pretty cool too, but sad because she's been addicted to Venom for her whole life. The cons are that for a book about the Joker, it almost feels like it should be about something else. It's good that he's barely in the book, but he's not super interesting even when he is. The next book that we have is Justice League Last Ride number 6. I gave this a 4 out of 5. Darkseid gets a power-up, a deal is made, and we get a big return. Darkseid becomes powered by Green Lantern rings early on and becomes a problem for the League. Batman, realizing they're outclassed, pays Lobo to help them out, which Diana definitely has a problem with. They go to do battle and end up getting help by an Oa-fueled Martian Manhunter. Pros are how well this book moves and delivers awesome story beats. Zdarsky does an awesome job keeping this thing rolling. Cons are the minimal amount of time that we see Eradicator in this issue. He should be a bigger part of this story, but he's playing second fiddle a lot in this. Next up, we have Strange Adventures number 12. I give this a 4.5 out of 5. This series wraps up with big revelations and even bigger status quo changes. Alana definitely killed Adam last issue. Moreover, she goes with Mr. Terrific to rescue her daughter, Aaliyah, from the peaks, and boy is it bloody. Aaliyah is rescued, and Alana tells Holt that he's now responsible for her, which is kind of a nice ending. Turns out she's curious and brilliant as well. We also get the last interactions of Adam and Alana before they come to Earth with the book ready to go. Pros are, my god, the art. The art a thousand times over. This was also a satisfying ending. Having Holt get a kid after dealing with the grief of losing one was really cool. The cons are Alana just leaving and sacrificing her relationship with her daughter directly after getting her back. I didn't like that. Now we have Superman in the Authority number four of four. I gave this a four out of five. Superman's team fights Brainiac's team in preparation for their big mission. 
This is an action-heavy issue almost all the way through. There are bits early on with Ultra Humanite versus Superman, and that's the most directly Superman is involved. The rest is Manchester Black and crew. There's a lot of ass-kickery, and Janin illustrates it as well as you'd expect. After they win, you get the sense that the team is a bit more well-prepared than originally thought. Pros are that this is the second straight book that has art as a strength. It's insane, you guys. Just sick. Cons are that Clark is kind of not engaged, but that makes sense if he's saving himself for World World. Next up we have Titans number 2 of 7. I gave this a 2.5 out of 5. The Titans are, in fact, not united in their search for Cadmus in this issue. Overall, this is a Superboy-heavy issue. He's having problems balancing his two sides in this issue. They corner a doctor named Rosebeck, but he gets killed by an arrow. In pursuit, Dick and Connor get blown out of the sky by an explosive arrow fired by Lady Vic. Connor gets mad, lashes out, and leaves, but gets captured in space by Commander. Pros are that I like the team dynamics here in this book. Cons are that the team isn't really the focus and everyone plays their quote-unquote part. I'm not crazy about this story just yet. All right, final book here, Wonder Woman number 780. I gave this a 3.75 out of 5. Diana returns home and goes everywhere but where she should. Diana comes back and reunites with the League up front. The changes there, specifically Black Adam, catch her off guard. There's a heartfelt reunion with her mom. She immediately goes back to being heroic and the world largely rejoices. She gets a heroine's welcome back on Themyscira and gets her lasso back. There's a little foreshadowing at the end of the book about there being a possibly dark Diana, but we'll see. Pros are that this book seems like it's ready to be enjoyable again. It was kind of a slog for a while, but it might be back in the near future. Cons are that she blows off going to see some of her closest non-superhero friends, but maybe that's all being saved for later. All right, here we go with my new favorite part of the show added this season, the weekly ranking. There are 22 books overall, so here's how it shakes out. In order from 1 to 22, 1 being the best, 22 being the worst, Immortal Hulk number 50, then Amazing Spider-Man number 76, followed by Strange Adventures number 12. Next, we have Justice League Last Ride number 6. That comes just before Superman and the Authority number 4. Then Avengers number 49, followed by Hardware number 2. Next up is Challenger of the Super Sons number 7, Darkhold Iron Man number 1, then Wonder Woman number 80, and Gamma Flight number 5. Starting off the bottom half, Joker number 8, Shang-Chi number 5, Batman Urban Legends number 8, Future State Gotham number 6, I Am Batman number 2, X-Force number 24, Blue and Gold number 3, X-Men number 4, bottom 3 here of Iron Man number 13, Titans United number 2, and Eternals Forever number 1. As we start to wrap up, if you want to be on the show, hit us up on Twitter, at SpiderMike29 or at the Twisted Cape. Looking ahead to next week, I'm looking forward to reading from Marvel, The Death of Doctor Strange number two, Thor number 18, and The United States of Captain America number five. On the DC side, I'm really looking forward to Batman number 115, Nightwing number 85, and Superman Son of Kal-El number four. Follow us on all socials, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, all at the Twisted Cape, no spaces, and a link is available in the show notes. We do a weekly show on YouTube, and we stream at least once a week on Twitch. As far as all the others, if you follow us, we follow you in return. If you really like us and our shows, feel free to grab some of our merch from Tee Public, which also has a link in the show notes. 
finally, feel free to shoot us some feedback on this show to thetwistedcape at gmail.com and make sure you use the subject line MTS. Thanks for tuning in. So until next time, he's got big balls, she's got big balls, but we've got the biggest balls of them all. Stay safe, wear a mask, please get that vaccine, and most importantly, stay twisted. Fix that.